be in Luke uh, chapter 9 here to start out. Typically, we're going uh, verse by verse through the Bible, and uh, we finished up Titus last week, and it worked out good that we could uh, stop here for a little bit and do a little topical on Easter. Boy, teens did a good job, didn't they? When they got done and you guys were clapping, I was walking up, I always like to pretend you're clapping for me, then I'm coming up. <laughs> Somehow, it just never the fantasy just never actually happens. Um, Luke chapter 9. Doesn't mean it if it's forced. You're all hypocrites. Uh, Luke chapter 9. Now, I'm assuming most of us have all been to Easter services before. And uh, just like Jonathan was saying, you know, this is the day when the good guys won. You know, we, we sing the songs, which are great. Uh, we talk about the message, which is great. And, you know, the Easter message is so, so simple. You know, Jesus died. He was in the tomb. He arose again. And as we talked about this morning at sunrise service, the tomb is empty. And that dictates and changes everything. So now what do we do with this information that the tomb is empty and Jesus rose from the dead? How does this impact us? When I was kind of praying about what to talk about today... This one verse kept coming back to my mind, and it's kind of an interesting verse that we would spend some time talking here about on Easter, but it's in Luke chapter 9, and it's verse 51. It said, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him, meaning Jesus, to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, the book of Luke is very interesting, because it doesn't... The other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, don't really get into this type of detail like Luke does on this passage. It's here in Luke chapter 9, from here on out to about Luke 17, the whole purpose of Christ is going to Jerusalem. Now, he is going there, and as he goes there, they do the different stories, they do the different parables and the things that happen. But it's at this point in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus says, I'm here for this purpose, and this purpose I'm going to Jerusalem. And what is that purpose? Is to die. And that's what we talked about at Excellent Wednesday service earlier this week, is the reason Jesus came, he was born so that way he could die. Now, this word, though, kept getting to me in verse 51. He steadfastly set his face. Now, depending on your translation, some of yours may say resolutely. This idea that he was so focused on this, it means to place firmly, it means to set fast, to fix. This idea that Jesus was so focused on going to Jerusalem, nothing was going to sway him and push him over to the side. Now, aren't you glad he did? Because it's by him going to Jerusalem to die, we can sit here and have Easter. That's the joy and blessing of today. But the thing is I want to talk about here with this passage is, if Jesus was so focused on his death and so focused to going to Jerusalem to die, how important is that to us today? There's this little phrase that we throw out a lot, and you've heard us say it before, it's the crux of the matter. And that word crux in Latin means cross. So the originality of that phrase is the crux of the matter means it's all about the cross in Christ. Nothing else in life matters. Whatever you're facing right now really doesn't matter in the scheme of eternity. Now you may say, no, it does. I got a huge situation in my home life. My marriage is falling apart. What matters most, though, is are you saved? Are your loved ones saved? Is your husband saved, your wife, your kids? You may have gotten some really bad medical news, or you may know someone who's really going through a tough time medically, physically. Okay, are you saved? 
Eternity is what matters. You may have a horrible, difficult day tomorrow at work ahead of you. You may have some situation where the bills are piling up at home and you can't pay them. In the scheme of eternity, only thing that matters is are you saved? That's the crux of the matter, the cross. And that's why we're here today is to talk about are we steadfastly set on God? Because when you are going through a difficult time, it is really easy to get your eyes off something, isn't it? It's so easy to get worked up on the situations and the details rather than the whole point of it. Nothing, no worry, no fear, no anxiety you have compares to Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. Nothing compares to that. And we have to be steadfast on how we look at that. Are we so focused on the fact that the only thing that matters is I am going to die one day and I am either going to heaven or I am going to hell? Are we so steadfast on that 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 changes our lives and the way we act? I hope it does. Have you ever seen somebody so determined for something that they just were so focused on that? Their eyes are only focused on that one thing. I'm going to give an example of this, and you guys think I pick on my wife a lot, and I do, but the point is I always clear it with her. You should see the stuff I don't share with you. So here's a story <laughs> that I'm going to share, and I, and I told her I was going to share this. Um, Dawn can get very focused on something, very steadfast, fixed, firm in place. And you're going to laugh when I tell you what she gets focused on, but this is the truth. She gets focused on donuts. Now, true, true story here. She, she gets so focused on donuts. Donut Sunday is the most important day to her. She starts talking about the whole week beforehand. It's Donut Sunday. The kids get excited. It's Donut Sunday. I asked Elias last night. We're doing our prayers before we go to bed. Guys, you know what tomorrow is? You know what Elias said? Donut Sunday. He said nothing about Easter, nothing about Jesus. It was Donut Sunday. And the funny thing is, if you would look at me compared to my wife, you would think I'm the one that likes donuts. You would think I'm the guy focused on donuts. Dawn is the one focused on donuts. She is so steadfast, so fixed, so determined to, for donuts. I, you, I cannot express this enough. You know, if we, if we really wanted to find Osama bin Laden, just tell Dawn he has a donut. And she would track him down to find this donut. But the point is, jumping back a couple years ago, we were still living at the old house, and uh, we had Elias, I think just Elias and Judah. Judah was born at that time. And Elias was in his car seat the day before, and I've shared this story before, and he had a drink of water, and he spilled his water into his car seat. No big deal, it dries out. Problem was, we didn't have a garage at that time, so the car was outside. This was February. So his car seat mechanism froze. So we could not attach the buckles. It's Donut Sunday. So, now Dawn and I drive separate to church. So, no big deal to me. She is so focused on Donut Sunday, and she's getting frustrated. She can't. I said, honey, don't worry about it. Just let it fall out, and once it thaws out, come to church. No big deal. And she's like, I can't. I'm going to miss the donuts. She goes and gets an extension cord, a hair dryer, takes it out to the car in February in the cold, and she is blow-drying the mechanism to fall out. Now, she is not doing this for worship. She's not doing this for fellowship. She's not doing it for the teaching. She's doing it for donuts. Now, the point is, if you've seen somebody so firmly set on something, nothing will sway them. There's nothing you can say. I was telling Dawn, I can go get you a donut, but I can't have a donut now. I can get you a donut on the way home from church. It's not the same. She wants that donut. Jesus here is so steadfast, nothing is going to take him off track of going to Jerusalem. Nothing. 
And why is he so steadfast to go to Jerusalem? Because he loves you. You sinned. I sinned. You screwed up. I screwed up. Because of that, we can't have fellowship together. Because of that, we can't have fellowship with Christ. Our sin has this huge problem now where we can't be one with God because of sin. The only way for this problem to be fixed was for Jesus to die on the cross. That's Easter. He had to die on the cross and take that punishment of your sin and my sin and say that there's no other way this problem can be fixed, so I'm going to take care of it. He was born 2,000 years ago to die 33 years later. That was his sole purpose. And I don't want to repeat all of Wednesday, but that's what we talked about, is that from the beginning, it was his death. When the wise men brought him gifts, those gifts signified his death. When he was a little baby, when they ran into Anna and Simeon, that signified his death. Everything was about him dying. Now, you may have a burden on your shoulders today. You may have some big project at work. Once again, you may have some bad news you've got. You may have something. But that burden does not at all compare to the burden of dying for somebody, carrying the entire sin of the world on your shoulders. Jesus knew this. See, you know, in a couple of weeks I told you we're going to have that uh, guy come and explain the Seder service there, Passover. We don't really understand what Passover is. We really don't understand animal sacrifices. I think if we could go back into the Old Testament and see what that really meant and represent, that would change the way we live. Imagine you come home from work back 4,000 years ago. I don't know what you were doing, taking care of camels or something, and you come home, you had a bad day at the camel factory, and you snap at your wife. You know you did wrong. You said things you shouldn't have said. You sinned. Okay, ask God to forgive you. Well, it doesn't work that simple. Some animal has to die for that now. So you have to go to the high priest and you have to say, okay, I did this. So they bring out this adorable, let's say little lamb. Boy, I tell you, little lambs are the cutest things in the world, aren't they? We grew up having sheep. Little lambs, there's nothing cuter than a little lamb. They bring out this little lamb. The high priest makes you put your hand on that lamb. And as you're holding your hand on that lamb, the high priest slits the lamb's throat. To show you, you sinned, lamb died, blood shed. That'd really make you think twice. See, the problem is when we sin now, we don't see the immediate results of that sin. We don't see Christ on the cross crucified. We don't see the nails going through his wrist. We don't see the whipping on his back. We don't see that. I sinned. And we don't use words like sinned. I screwed up. I shouldn't have done it. I stumbled. I'm struggling with it. I sinned. I killed Jesus. I killed Jesus for stamping at my wife. I killed Jesus for saying things I shouldn't have said. I killed Jesus for looking at things I shouldn't look at. I killed Jesus. That's what Easter is. Is He died so He could rise again. When we look at it from that perspective, it totally changes everything. And when you look at it from the perspective of Christ in verse 51, where He steadfastly set His face... That's ridiculous. This guy is so focused on going to Jerusalem to die for billions of people that don't care. Seriously. Do you realize how much the world doesn't care about Easter? There's a headline in the Houston Chronicle where it said something to the fact of Easter losing its religious importance. Really? If you ask the typical person, what's the purpose of Christmas? Are they really going to say the day Jesus was born? If you ask a person about Easter, Good Friday, 
they really understand what it is? Oh, yeah, they have a concept. But how many of us are thinking right now, hey, I got a big family thing at lunch. I got to go home and stir the potatoes. How many of us are thinking, boy, it's been nice to have a few days off from work, but I got to go back to work yet tomorrow? Now, why? We lose the importance of Easter. And we, we say this every Easter out here. Every single day of the year is Easter because Jesus rose. Every single day of the year is Christmas because Christ was born. Now, I, I think it's nice to take a couple days out of the year and really focus on that. I don't think there's anything wrong. But the problem is we have Easter. And then we wake up tomorrow. And what's tomorrow? Monday. But did Jesus still rise from the dead? Yeah, but we talked about it yesterday. Every day it's important. But we put such a focus on Easter, don't we? I mean, seriously, how many of you had a rough night last night or a rough morning? But you can't miss church. It's Easter. Now, a different Sunday, we can miss. I mean, next, next week it's just April 11th. It's nothing. We all have times where it's like, do we understand the importance of every day steadfastly setting our face towards Christ and making that devotion to say it is important? So, may I ask you, are you steadfast in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he firmly number one in your life? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you put God first, everything else falls into place. When I'm generally talking to somebody whose life is in shambles, it is because God is not number one in their lives. Now, you may say, okay, I put God first. That means everything's going to be great. I know people who have put God first that have died of cancer. I know people who have put God first that have had horrible tragedies in their life. I'm not saying just because you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your life is going to be a rose garden. I'm saying if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have salvation and you'll have a joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Those are promises I can give you. I'm not promising that just because you accept Christ, everything all of a sudden is going to be perfect. I accepted Christ 17 years ago. I've had great moments of joy and peace in my life, and I've also had moments of things were not perfect. But God's always been stable. God's always been the foundation to get me through. He's number one. He is firmly set, steadfastly, as the most important thing in my life. Let's build on this now. Stay in Luke. Let's jump ahead now to Luke chapter 12. See, what we have here in Luke is from Luke 9, now to the end, everything is the focus on Christ dying. Luke chapter 12 goes into a little bit more detail of this. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it was accomplished. Now, you may look at verse 50 and see baptism. This is a baptism of no water. The Bible uses baptism in different ways. So there is a water baptism that's obviously very important, but that's another subject for another day. This baptism means to be a oneness with. He's saying, I have to be baptized into death, his death on the cross. And look at this verse, verse 50. How distressed I am till it's accomplished. What he is saying is, I am so worked up over this until it can happen. Now, worked up in fear? No. Worked up in worry? No. Worked up in the sense of this is my task. For you good old King Jamesers out there, it says straightened. 
This idea, and it carries this phrasing of being pressed in on every side. So therefore, almost imagine you have this lump and you keep pushing it and pressing it. You straighten it out to what you want it to be. It also carries the connotation of if you have animals. I grew up on a farm, and if you did too, we had uh, pigs and we had sheep. When I got time to send them to market, Dad had built this ramp for the sheep. And once the sheep got in the ramp, there's only one way to go. Straight up to death. Sorry, but that's the way it was. They couldn't turn around. They couldn't get out. They just had to go straight up. And that's the idea here of being pressed. There's only one way to go. You are pressed, not in a bad way, but in a focused way. Jesus was so focused on the cross and dying that he is saying, I'm distressed about it. Once again, not fear, not worry, but I'm so focused on this until it happens. Now, did he really understand what he was going to go through? You bet he did. That's why in the garden before the cross, he also prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. Because he didn't want to go through it. But you just said he did. He wanted to have a relationship with you. He wanted to have a relationship with me. He wanted peace to be taken care of because of our sin. And he realized the only way that can be done is through death. See, the book of Hebrews makes it clear. The blood of bulls and goats, it says, could never take away sin. All those Old Testament sacrifices never took away sin. They just covered sin up to point us towards Jesus Christ. Jesus came and was the ultimate, final sacrifice once and for all for sin. So when that happened, he could say from the cross, it is finished. No animals have to be sacrificed. The Old Testament laws are fulfilled through him. It's finished. It's done. It's over. Why? Because he was steadfastly set on his goal. He was distressed in the sense of so focused until it happened. So let me ask you this now. Is there a desire pressing down on you to go deeper in your walk with Christ? Now, if you're honest, some of you will say yes. Some of you will say no. Some of you don't even know what I just asked. But the truth of the matter is, is it important to you? Now, if I came up and asked you individually, the majority of you would say, oh yes, why? Because I have a little title in front of my name called pastor, and you want to make yourself look good and sound good. Now, there's a few of you that are brutally honest, and you're the ones I love. Do you want to go deeper in your walk? No, not really. You want your marriage to be better? No, I don't want to put work into it. That's honesty. Now, for some of you, you're going to say, yeah, I want to go deeper. Now, my next question is, do you really want to? See, it's kind of interesting. How many of us know Jesus? There's two words for know in the New Testament. There's the one that is, I know him. I'm familiar with him. I have an intelligence that I know Jesus. I've heard of him. But there's also, I know Jesus, which carries a deeper meaning if I personally know him. See, all of us here know Jesus. If you've never heard of Christ before coming into this room today, now you've heard him. But I'm willing to bet all of you have heard him before you came in here. You all know Jesus. But how many of us really know him? That little phrase, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But isn't that what it's all about? See, it's fun, hopefully, to come to church. Hopefully the fellowship is good. If you came early, hopefully the donuts were good. Hopefully, uh, you know, you enjoyed the worship. I thought the teens did a good job. We may even have something else here we may do in a little bit, time permitting, some other stuff. That's fun. But, but what does it really matter if you walk out of here saying, wow, that was fun. 
Fun doesn't get you into heaven. Jesus Christ is what gets you into heaven. Now, for you that think I'm pushing this a little too hard today, I'm going to be honest with you. This is the whole purpose and sole reason we're here. I may never see some of you guys again. Some of you may be the only time you're ever going to pop in and visit. I don't know. I want to make sure that's abundantly clear because if we're not doing that, then what is the real purpose of what we're here? The purpose of the church is to make disciples. The purpose of the church is to take people deeper in their walk with Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, okay, I want to go deeper, but I just don't have that connection. See, isn't that the truth? I try it. I've heard that before, right? I've tried it. I've tried reading. I didn't get anything out of it. I tried praying. I didn't get anything out of it. I've tried going to church. didn't really help anything. Here's the thing. Is you have to know Christ to get something out of Christ. Last night was a rough night at the Irvin house. Uh, Elias uh, started crying. First time he cried, it was about 11.40. He never woke up. It was just having one of those bad dream nights. So 11.40, he woke up. He woke up at 12.40. Then he woke up at 1.40. I don't know what the 40 deal was. So at 1.40, and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get up early here. We've got sunrise service. I just picked him up, brought him out to the living room, and we got this little black futon mattress, and just we're going to sleep out in the living room. Well, Judah wakes up at 3, realizes Elias is in his room, so Judah comes out. So I got Elias and Judah and me now in this little black futon mattress. Now, for you that have had little kids, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was thinking, but anyway, it's just, it's not a lot of fun sleeping three in a little black futon mattress. And Elias just kept having a rough night. And Judah is just the crazy sleeper that he's all different ways. And for Judah being three-year-old, the little punk took my blanket. I mean, it was just this, all this stuff. Long story short is, is, why did I do that? They're my kids. They're my kids. I heard my son cry. I went. I held. I took care of. We prayed. I'm, I'm not going to push him off. I'm not going to ignore him and say, go back to bed. He's my kid. I'm going to take care of him. I have a connection with him. Now, today at church, there's been babies cry. And when you go pick up your kids, there's going to be kids crying. That's just what happens. Now, are you going to go scoop up that baby? No. Why? It's not your kid. You don't have a connection to him. Your heart doesn't hurt because that baby cries. Now, you may say, oh, look at that baby. She's having a tough time. But you're not going to go scoop that kid out of your mother's arms, her mother's arms. You're not going to do it. And you know what? None of you came over to my house at 1.40 last night to take care of Elias. <laughs> well, I didn't hear him cry. Why aren't you there? Because he's not your kid. And if you are there, that's freaky. We've got to talk about that. <laughs> it's not your kid. You don't have a connection. Your heart's not breaking when my kid cries. You're not up at 3 o'clock in the morning going, Oh, I hope Elias is sleeping so James is getting some sleep. Because you know what? I'm not thinking about that with you. Let's just be honest. There is no connection. So here's the thing. This is what I'm I'm trying to make. I'm going to go read the Bible. I don't know Jesus. You're not going to get anything out of it. Well, wait a second, James. You said God's word doesn't return void. Yeah, the word will plant seeds, but if you don't know him, you're going to read about him and say, okay, big deal. He healed lepers. He raised the dead. He said, love your enemies. You're going to pray. But if you don't have a connection to Christ, it's going to be like talking to a stranger. You're going to come to church and you're going to hear us talk about Jesus. We're going to sing songs about Jesus. We're going to do outreach to tell people about Jesus. If you don't know him, it means nothing to you. 
So often we try to go deeper in our walk without, with Christ without knowing Christ. You've got to start at the beginning. Do you know Jesus? Not a head knowledge. Not what the History Channel's told you. Do you know Him? Do you know that He died for you? That He is your Lord and Savior? Do you have a connection to Christ? If you don't, then all of this is null and void. And that's why it's important at Easter is to know Him. To know who He is. To know why He died. To know what He's doing. Because that impacts the rest of your life. And not even the life in this world, but for all of eternity. As it impacts your life in this world, it also impacts your spouse, your kids, your family, your co-workers. That's why the Bible says you're supposed to be a shining light. Because you shine for Christ. But we have to ask, do you know him? And I hope you do. But if you don't know him, the Bible has a great point where it says, today is the day of salvation. Today is a great day to know him. Today is a great day to meet him. Today is a great day to go deeper in him. Today is a great day to say, I really want that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and what it comes down to is, you know, we've done all different types of altar calls out here. We've done altar calls where people come forward. We've done different types of things. And really what it comes down to, and I'll just be straightforward with you, a relationship with Jesus is just what it sounds. It's a relationship. You know him, not in a head knowledge, but in a heart knowledge. You realize he died for you. You realize your sin put him on the cross. You realize that death took away your sin, so therefore you want to live for him. You believe in what he did. Believe just doesn't mean accept it as a fact. Belief means to place your saving faith, trust in it, that it changes your life. That's what it means to be a Christian. And if that's what you want today, that's all you have to do is say, Lord, I believe. And you may say, I want to, but I bring so much baggage. It's hard for me to believe. It's a great little verse, a great little prayer that says, Lord, help my unbelief. Sometimes it's so hard to believe something so simple. Don't you love it that God made Christianity simple? We sinned. Jesus died. Jesus rose. I'm forgiven. Boy, you got to like that. I'm too bad, right? I've never heard anybody say anything that was so horrible that I could think, boy, the death of Christ can't cover that one. That's why he said it's finished. It's all done. It's all over. So what is our response to this? We arise up out of death, spiritual death, and come to life in Jesus Christ. We had a, a, a little video that um, we were going to possibly uh, show today and didn't know if we should show it or not because I never want the focus to be on the things rather than the message. But uh, yeah, I feel it could really be something that would really be a nice impact right now because this idea of death... <coughs> And Christ rising. Isn't this the whole point of Easter? As we get ready to partake of communion here in just a little bit, do we really understand this? And as the sound guys are getting this ready up here, I want you to really stop and think, okay, do I know him? Do I really know him? Do I understand who he is? 
and I have that relationship with him and what he's done. Alan, go ahead. <laughs> 